Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. So, I want you guys to know that I think of you as family. I really do. My Arbor family. And why I think of you as family is, you know, since, since, Audrey, since Audrey and I have been at Arbor, and since our son has been born, you guys have helped me raise my son, Cade. He's been in the rooms. I've seen you guys change him when I didn't want to and <laughs> pretended like I didn't know. Um, I've seen you guys teach my son. So Audrey and I, my wife, have entered a stage with our son, and I just want to let you know as the family what we're working on. So <laughs> we are in the I want, I need stage with our son. And I think you guys with kids know what I'm talking about. That every day, and it is every single day at this point, Cade will put in his request of what he wants for either dinner, a snack, a treat, or what he wants for TV. So it turns into when we're making dinner, Cade will go, Daddy, I need mac and cheese, or I need chicken nuggets. I'm like, no, bud, you want mac and cheese, you want chicken nuggets, or later it's, Daddy, I need a popsicle, or I need candy. It's like, no, bud, you want a popsicle, you want candy. Or when we're trying to pick something for him to watch, he says, Daddy, I need Bluey. And I say, we all need Bluey. <laughs> Amen to that, I <laughs> think. But I'm, like, as, I, as we're doing this, I know some of you veteran parents, maybe that's a terrible thing to say, or just more experienced parents with maybe teenagers want to look at me and say, it doesn't stop. Nope. Am I right? It's, it's, it's just a decade of our kids telling us what they need instead of what they want. So maybe you're in the, the life stage where your older kids are coming up to you saying, I need a new phone. And you want to ask them, well, do you actually need a new phone or do you just want the newest one, the upgraded one, the one that everybody else has? Or I need a new car. Again, you want to say, do you actually need one or are you just not content with the one we've given you or the one that you have? Or they'll say, I need new parents. And then I would say, we all need Bluey. <laughs> and now I'm wondering, though, the, those of you in the room who have adult children, does it end? Or do you sense discontentment in your adult kids? And so the question is, what is bringing it? What is bringing this desire of they, they feel like they need something, like as, a, as adults? Is it they may, maybe feel a discontent with with their jobs? Do they feel discontent where they're, where they're at, their current circumstance? Do they, are they just not happy with where they're at? So it makes me ask this question, when do we as people learn how to be content? When do we learn to be okay with today, with what we have today? Now don't mishear me. I think it's amazing to have goals. I think it's amazing to have dreams, have wishes, have visions, for our life. But what I'm asking is, like, when is it, when, it's that moment where those dreams and goals that we're not achieving kind of turn into taking our joy away, to where we're not happy, and in a sense, we're causing people around us to not enjoy our presence. So the question is, when do we learn? When do we learn to be content? 
And when can we actually say the prayer in Proverbs 37 through 9 and actually mean it? And I want to read this prayer to you guys. Listen to what the author of Proverbs says. He says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. But here it is. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. (coughs) So the author of this proverb is asking God to give him exactly what he needs for the day. He asked for the Lord to not, to, to give him his daily bread. He asked for not too much, because if he has too much, it might turn into him asking the question, well, who is God? Or in a sense, becoming your own God, doing things by your own strength. But then he also asked that, also don't make me poor. Don't make me have poverty, because I might end up doing something that's going to dishonor God, dishonor myself, dishonor my family. So he asks for what he needs today. He asks for his daily bread. And I think if we are really honest with ourselves when we read this, I think all of us would say amen to don't give me poverty. Amen to to not living paycheck to paycheck or even less than paycheck to paycheck. Like, amen, God, I don't want that stress. I don't want my family to feel that stress. You know what? I even think that God give us our daily bread. I think we as Christians would also say amen to that as well, mostly because we feel like we have to say amen to that. But I think, yeah, God, give, me, give us what we need for today, amen. But if we're honest with ourselves, could we really say amen to not giving us more riches? Could you say this prayer to God? God, this year, do not give me that Christmas bonus. I don't want it. God, don't, I don't want that new iPhone. I don't want that new car or those new golf clubs. You name it. Whatever it is that you would say that prayer. But God... Do not give me any more. I have what I want. Could we actually say that prayer? I know that is difficult for me. And I think even our culture, we kind of live in a culture that just wants more, more, more. We live in a culture that it's like we're supposed to not be content with the stuff that we want, that we always want the newer things. And especially in this season, this Christmas season right now of all these commercials coming up, of all these greatest, latest things. So could we say, honestly, amen to not giving us riches? So make, again, I bring up the question, how can we get there? How can we actually say that prayer and mean it? And the question I want to ask you guys is, and how can we be okay with today? How can we be okay with today? And let me ask you this, are you okay with today? In your life, are you okay with how, how it is in the day? Or, or is something stealing your joy? Is something stealing your contentment? Is something stealing your joy for today? And maybe you found that this thing has actually been stealing your joy for many days. What is it? What's bringing it on in your life? Is it comparison? I feel like comparison is a big factor when it comes to this. Comparing (laughs) your possessions with other people's possessions, or maybe you have those friends that seem to have a never-ending supply of money, and they just keep buying things, and 
you're asking yourself, where is this coming from and where can I get some of that? Is it, is it comparison? Is it just being, just being unsatisfied with where you're at? Being unsatisfied with where you think you should be in life? What's stealing your joy for today and, and how, can we, how can we fix that? How can we be okay with today? And I don't want you guys to misunderstand me. When, when this message, I'm not talking about a silver lining concept here. A silver lining is a sign of hope or a positive aspect in otherwise negative situation. Now, that's making the best out of a bad situation. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about joy in what God has given us today. Like, just straight joy. Joy in much or joy in little. And I want us, at the end of each day, to not be looking at where we're not, but where we are, and actually being okay with today. So how do we get there? How do we finally learn contentment? And the answer I want to tell you guys is we have to learn it. It is something we have to learn. And that's what Paul tells us in Philippians 4. So if you guys have your Bibles, open up to Philippians 4, 10 through 12. Now what's amazing is today we're going to learn it. We're going to learn the secret of contentment. And we're going to learn how we can be okay with today and honestly ask the question where we're putting our dependency on. So if you guys have your Bibles, Philippians 4, 10 through 13, I'll read it for you guys. Paul writes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Before we dive into this, I think there's a few things that we need to remember about this verse. Sorry, Jeff, I'm going to fix this real quick. few things that we need to remember. Number one, when Paul is writing this letter, he is currently in prison. He's in, a, he's in a Roman prison. He's awaiting the answer of a trial, whether he is going to be declared innocent or if he's going to be executed for preaching the gospel. So as Paul is writing this to the Philippian church, he is currently in prison. Another thing that we need to remember is that this Philippian church that he's writing to has sent Paul a gift as well as sending Epaphrodites to him to assist him in anything. So this church has sent him a gift. And one other thing I want us to remember as we're reading this is this was not the first gift given to Paul by this church. So those are the three things. Paul's in prison. The Philippian church has given him a gift. And this was not the first gift. So let's dive into this. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. At last, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to show it. Now, the word I want to focus on is this word renewed. This could also be translated to revive or sprout afresh. I like that word. Sprout, very arbor. Sprout afresh. Now, this word, it's the only time this word is used in the New Testament, and it brings on this, this feeling of that there was something that once had life, that was living, it was great, and then it just dried up. It was gone. But then, 
after hard work, you start seeing life again. So if you think of it as like a plant, it's like a plant that is just a wonderful, great-looking, blooming plant. But then when, if you're like the cobbly household, this plant just dies. <laughs> I think anybody who has seen my office understands, yeah, the plants, just the cobblies, we can't keep plants alive. But then, out of nowhere, that plant, you just start seeing after hard work that this thing is, is coming back to life and it's, and it's reviving. That's what Paul is saying to this church, that you have renewed your concern for me. It is now back to life. So what this is, and what we know, and we'll look at this verse from next week, that Paul is writing to this church, and he does remind this church, and says that even in Thessalonica, you sent, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So just to let you guys know, when Paul converted to Christianity, Paul would go on missionary journeys. And on these journeys, it would lead to him being abused. It would lead to him being stoned, where people throwing rocks at him. It would lead to him being imprisoned, like he currently is when writing this. Now, on one of these journeys, we can read that this church in Philippi sent him aid while he was in Thessalonica. And it says, he writes, that you sent me aid when nobody else would. So, this church helped Paul out quite a bit. But when we see the word renewed, you renewed your concerns for me, what this also tells us is this church also stopped sending aid to Paul. Now, we have no idea why. We don't know what came up with the church of Philippi for them to not help, but maybe it could have been that they no longer had the funds to help Paul, or it could be that this church was under such oppression, um, opposition, that they needed the resources just to keep themselves afloat, or it could just be as simple as they didn't have somebody that they can send, like Epaphrodites, to deliver it to Paul. And we don't know the exact reason, but we do know that for some reason, this church had to stop helping Paul. But now that the concerns are renewed, it says that Paul is rejoicing. He rejoices. The joy is in Paul that this church has now renewed his concern. But then Paul says something interesting. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Now, why that's curious, I could argue that Paul is very much in need right now. To remind you guys, like I mentioned before, Paul is a prisoner of Rome. Now, what that meant is this imprisonment in, in Rome, the length of imprisonment really depended on the trial and what we were there for. And it could be drawn out for years, especially if it was a political matter. Now, the conditions of imprisonment were closely tied with your citizenship. If you were a non-citizen of Rome, you had a very harsh imprisonment. But if you were a citizen, like Paul was, you kind of got nice treatment. You had allowances to, for food and for clothes. But the, the allowance came from your friends and family. So Paul, being in prison, to actually be able to eat, to have clothes, he needed help. He, need, he was in need. And if you guys read Acts 28.30, we read this at the very end of Acts. It says that Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. So I would argue that Paul was very much in need. So what did he mean? What did he mean when he says, I, I rejoice that you renewed your concern. I'm not saying this, that I'm in need. What did he mean? Well, Paul says what he means. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, 
For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. See, Paul was not in need because he was content. And the word content here literally means self-reliant, self-supporting, sufficient in oneself, or my favorite, that Paul was strong enough, that he had the strength. Paul was not in need because he was strong enough to get through this. Also means he was self-reliant. What this means is Paul was in a position both physically and mentally where his dependency wasn't on the Philippian church or any church sending him relief. His dependency wasn't on there. He was strong enough to get through this. Now, I have recently discovered a dependency that I had in something. And I will tell you, I already knew this, but it really came to life in its coffee. Anybody with me on that? Yeah, let me see the hands. Who here is with me? Now, I will tell you where this came, where it was like just right in front of me was a few weeks ago, that huge windstorm that we had. Um, I live in Lake Stevens. If you guys don't know, Lake Stevens got hit hard with that windstorm. So my family... We lost power at like 10.30 at night. And Audrey and I looked at each other and talked about it. And we made the decision that we were going to wake our son up and put him in our bed. Like walk upstairs, put him in our bed. Because if he woke up in the middle of the night, we wouldn't be able to hear him. Uh, didn't have the sound machine. And if he woke up and everything was pitch black and quiet, he, he was going to freak out. So we were like, let's be good parents. Let's, let's wake him up and we'll let him sleep in our bed. Which meant I had a terrible night of sleep. <laughs> but... I was hopeful that the power would come back on maybe in the morning to where I would get like a good hour of sleep. But when I woke up, the power was not there. So then I'm like, I really need coffee. So Audrey was like, why don't you go drive and check if Burger King's open and maybe you can get coffee. And I told Audrey, I am not going to be dependent on Burger King coffee. <laughs> like at all. So I thought about it. You know, I got creative. And I'm like, I can figure this out. I, I can make coffee with these bare hands. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, I have a camp stove in my garage that's like a whole you know, French press system. I'll just make coffee that way. Solution solved. So I go in the garage with my, my cell phone trying to find this thing. I cannot find it. And I go up to Audra, and I'm like, hey, Audra, do you know where a camp stove is? And she goes, oh, when I went camping with our friends, I left it at their house. <laughs> so I was like, great. That one's not working. So then I sat there trying to get creative again, going, how am I going to get coffee? And then Audrey, of course, was like, why don't you go to Burger King? I'm like, I'm not going to Burger King to get coffee. And then I got smart again. I remembered that my truck has an outlet in the bed, right? Pretty fancy. So I said, I'm going to grab an extension cord, and I'm going to hook it into the, the bed, I'm going to run it through the garage, get into my kitchen, and I'm going to make some coffee. Get the extension cord, plug it in, go through the garage. Audrey's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got this. Going through. And as I'm in the kitchen, my extension cord was not long enough. So again, crossing my hands, and I'm thinking, what would Bluey's dad do in this moment? And I realized, if I back up the truck to the garage, because I'm one of those family members that have a big garage, but don't put the vehicles in the garage, that I'm just, I'm going to back, I'm going to drive forward, turn around, I'm going to back my truck into the garage. That will give me the distance I need for the coffee maker. So I do that, and I get as close as I can to the garage, pull the extension cord, and I was a foot away. But here's the thing, as I'm looking at this, and Audra laughed at me, 
as I was looking at this, I realized, and you guys probably already figured this out because you're caffeinated right now, that I just needed to move the coffee maker closer to the extension cords. <laughs> so I do that, plug it in, it's not working. So then I'm like trying to Google this, but my Wi-Fi is not working and the internet's not working that well for me. So I'm like, How, why is this not working? I'm like, maybe I gotta start the truck. So I had to go out there, start the truck, turn on the button that makes that thing work, but it wasn't working. <laughs> I don't think the truck gave enough power. So then it turned into me grabbing this coffee maker, which is really big, and like carrying it outside in my pajamas, putting it on my bed, plugging it in, freezing, trying to press the button, and it would not work. I ended up going to Burger King <laughs> to get coffee. <laughs> it was awful. But I, I, I became dependent upon Burger King, which was a sad truth. So if you guys could be praying for me in that, that'd be great. But Paul, Paul was in this position mentally where he was not dependent. He was not dependent on this church in Philippi. He wasn't dependent on people helping him. He learned the secret of contentment. And it says that he learned how to be strong enough for this. And the analogy that I came up with to, to help you guys understand, like, this is something to be learned, was when I was in middle school playing basketball. Now, some of you have kids who maybe you're joining basketball and you're seeing some terrible form, or maybe you can remember the day that you're playing basketball. But when I played basketball, I was not good. I was a terrible basketball player. I loved the sport but it wasn't something that was natural to me. I had to practice. And I remember one week when I was in middle school, I did not have the strength to do the normal, I think James Cool taught us this a few weeks ago, the, you know, the cookie jar, like one-handed shot. I didn't have the strength for that as a middle schooler, so I did all my shots with like two hands. Like, if, and if you guys remember, maybe you've seen your kids do it, like the two-handed shot. And my coach, like every day, would be like, Brian, one hand. I'm like, I can't. Everything was just an air ball. So everything was two shots, and I'm hoping he didn't do this for my sake. I hope other students had to do this. But he decided to do a whole week of basketball practice where we had to put our weak hand behind our back, and the whole week was dominant hand, dribbling, shooting. And I'll tell you, the first couple days was terrible. I could not make a single shot. That ball was nowhere near the rim. But at the end of the week, as I was shooting, I actually got the hang of it. I got the, the, my arm got strong enough. I was able to shoot that one-handed. I was able to dribble that. That last day of practice when the coach said, you can bring your other hand in, when you brought the other hand, this thing was just relief. This thing was just there to balance that ball, that everything was one shot. But it took me losing this to realize and strengthening this for this to not be something I was dependent on. So Paul, in this moment, he had learned to be, he had learned contentment. He learned where his dependency should be. Paul learned to be strong enough and self-reliant. Now this word learned, when you look it up in the Greek, it can be translated to learn by study or learn by experience. And I would lean towards Paul learning by experience here. Because as Paul was doing this ministry, preaching the gospel, showing up for people, getting abused, thrown in jail time and time again. Paul actually had a normal laborer's job. I want, you guys, I want to read this to you guys in Acts 18, 1 through 4. It says this, after, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Now Paul went to see them because he was a tent maker as they were. He stayed and worked with them, 
And every Sabbath, he would reason in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Paul worked a trade. Paul was a tent maker to keep his provisions, his resources going so he could still preach Jesus at the synagogue. And I honestly think he had to do this. I think as we read that no other church would aid him and now the Philippian church aid had to stop, Paul had to work. He had a supplement to keep the ministry going. And honestly, Paul could have just stayed in front of city gates with a cup, begging for money to help the ministry going. But instead of doing that, he decided to work. And he had the strength to do it. So Paul says this, he knows what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of contentment in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So Paul learned to be strong enough. And now he's teaching us the secret of how we can be as well. So here's a secret, and I want you guys to write it down. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The secret is Christ. The secret of contentment is Jesus. The reason Paul is strong enough to do this is because he has Jesus strengthening him. And I believe this to be true. And I believe this within Paul's life, this strength is real. Because for a man to, during the week, the, week, the work day, make tents, have clients, hear complaints. Can I speak to the manager? There's something wrong with this tent. To deal with customer service. And then on the weekends, preach the gospel and show love after all week, probably not experiencing love for anybody. That takes strength. That takes strength to actually still care about people's soul and want to, want them to, want to see them in eternity. So that's strength. But what I also love about this, guys, is if you go back to the very beginning of this verse, Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord that you renewed your concern. His rejoicing is from the Lord. The strength is from the Lord. Even though this Philippian church is helping him, he's rejoicing the Lord, and his strength comes from the Lord. And I want to let you guys know that each and every one of you in this room, you can learn that secret as well. And you can believe in this strength because you have the strength for today. You have the strength to be okay with today. So I'll ask you, what do you need the strength for today? What is going on? What is stealing your joy that you need the strength for today? I mean, let's look at Paul's life. Maybe, maybe you need strength today just to ask for help. Maybe you just need to be strong enough to just ask for that relief. Paul had to do it. Paul did need help from churches when he, was, when he first started his ministry. So maybe that's you, and, and rejoice in the Lord when that help comes. Just like Paul, rejoice in the Lord when people have renewed their concern for you. Maybe you need strength to work like Paul. Maybe you need the strength to just keep punching in that clock, to keep putting up with the, the people that you have to put up with. Maybe you need that strength. Or honestly, maybe you need strength to not act. And what I mean by that is maybe not put that Amazon order in. Or make that trip to Home Depot just to see the sales. Or Costco. I'm more, I'm more of the Costco going through. I'm still waiting for a, a Roomba to get cheap. <laughs> Tired of vacuuming. But maybe you need strength to not act. But I do want you guys to know that you have the strength <coughs> 
you do have the strength of Christ to be okay with today. And you have the strength to say Proverbs 30 and mean it. So I want to read it again. Proverbs 30, 7 through 9. The author says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And guys, let's read this part together. And let's mean it. Let's go. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor, steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. That prayer takes strength. The strength to be okay with what you need for today. Not with what you want, but with what you actually need. And strength to put your dependency on God and not someone or not even, not even your own strength. And I will admit, guys, this, this will take strength, especially in a culture that we live in that tells us that we need more, that, we, that, that tells us that we need better. It's going to take strength for us to be content, and it's going to take some learning. So I want to again ask you guys, what's stealing your joy for today? What's stealing your joy for being okay with today? Is it comparison? Is it just unsatisfied with where you're at? And is it just affecting everything around you? You have the strength. You have the strength for today. Use it. Learn how to use it. We all have Christ. So what are you needing that strength for today? You guys pray with me? Christ, we need your strength, especially in this season. Lord, I know I need your strength for my family, and I assume, I assume there's so many families here who is even more affected by just today, just the economy, just, just the world. So Lord, I pray for your strength for every single person in this room, every person listening, and just everyone who needs you. Strengthen us, Lord, so we can keep doing your work, so we can keep representing you to this world, so our joy does not get taken from us. A joy that just, that only comes from you. Lord, please give us your strength. Amen.